I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we begin the book of Ezekiel. As a matter of introduction to Ezekiel, let's just say that the Babylonian army began their attack on Jerusalem in 598 B.C. King Jehoiakim died, and his 18-year-old son Jehoiakim became the new king. You find that account in 2 Kings chapter 24. He surrendered to Nebuchadnezzar just three months after his reign began. The king, his mother, his wives, and his officials, along with the leading men of the land, were exiled in 597 B.C. Ezekiel was a priest and was among the exiles. Now, that's when Zedekiah, Jehoiakim's uncle, being also Josiah's son, was elevated to the throne of Jerusalem and Judah by Nebuchadnezzar himself. However, Zedekiah was just a puppet, a regent vassal over Judah. While in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar kept Jehoiakim in prison for 37 years. But according to administrative documents found in the excavation at Babylonia, he was still regarded by Nebuchadnezzar to be the real, authentic king of Judah during that time. Nebuchadnezzar's successor, Evil Merodach, released Jehoiakim from prison and took care of him until his death. Ezekiel's prophecies were given from exile in Babylon. He was over there with the exiles. Unlike Jeremiah, Ezekiel is quite meticulous in giving us the dates of his prophecies. Chapter 1, Ezekiel gets a supernatural visitor. Now let me just say before we read this that we're going to be looking at the glory of the Lord. Sometimes we refer to it as the Shekinah glory. Many people have seen uh, some weird stuff in this chapter, but keep in mind, we're talking about the glory of the Lord. Verse 1, Now it came to pass in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Kebar, that the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, now the word of the Lord came expressly into Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of Chaldeans, by the river Kebar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And he looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. This was their appearance, they had the likeness of a man. And every one had four faces, and every one had four wings. And their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides, and they four had their faces in their wings. Their wings were joined one to another, they turned not when they went, they went every one straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces... They four had the face of a man and the face of a lion, and the right side, and they four had the face of an ox. And on the left side, they four also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one on another, 
and two covered their bodies. And they went every one straight forward, whither the Spirit was to go, they went, and they turned not when they went. As to the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like the burning of coals of fire, and like the appearance of lamps. It went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their work was likened to the colors of barrel, and they had one likeness in their appearance, and their work was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. When they went, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. As for their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful, and their rings were full of eyes round about them four. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whithersoever the spirit was to go, they went, thither was their spirit to go. And the wheels were lifted up over against them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up over against them, for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. And the likeness of the firmament above their heads of the living creatures was as the color of the terrible crystal stretched forth over their heads above. And under the firmament were their wings straight, the one toward the other, every one had two, which covered on this side, and every one had two, which covered on that side, their bodies. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings like the noise of great waters, as the voice of the Almighty, the voice of speech, as the noise of a host. When they stood, they let down their wings. And there was a voice from the firmament that was over their heads when they stood, and they let down their wings, and above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne, as the appearance of a sapphire stone, and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above upon it. And I saw the color of amber as the appearance of the round about within it, from the appearance of his loins even upward, and from the appearance of his loins even downward. I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about. As the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of the rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. Now, as I said, don't see things that really aren't in this chapter. In other words, let me just say, quite frankly, there are no flying saucers here. Ezekiel describes the sensational appearance of the glory of God with his very best metaphors. What these beings and wheels were is clear in verse 28. It says they were the glory of God. As we see in verse 1, Ezekiel was 30 years old when he had this vision, and he places himself in the land of the Chaldeans over in Babylon. King Jehoiakim's captivity is used to date this vision, he was, he was deported to Babylonia in 597 B.C. Therefore, Ezekiel's commission here in chapter 1 was received in 593 B.C. That would be seven years before the final fall of Jerusalem. The fact that he received his first vision five years after the deportation is probably significant inasmuch as this was the year that Ezekiel turned 30. 
We see in verse 3 that he was a priest. Traditionally, according to Numbers 4, Levite priests began ministering at age 30. And keep in mind, Ezekiel is ministering and prophesying to the exiles in Babylonian, while Jeremiah is back over in Jerusalem prophesying to the inhabitants who were able to stay there. Now, there's a very nice article that I've provided on BibleTrack.org. You'll find it in the middle column on the main page called The Shekinah Glory. The Shekinah Glory was the glory of the Lord as manifested to mankind, and you may want to take a peek at that article. Ezekiel's very detailed description of the glory of God extends from verse 4 through the end of the whole chapter. Some have thought to equate his vision here with something tangible and contemporary, but really it's neither. It's his glimpse of God's glory, nothing more. So why all the detail from Ezekiel here? Well, he's just reporting what he saw. Volumes have been written trying to break this vision down into components with an attempt to rationalize each one of his speculations. Let's face it, the manifestation of the glory of God is beyond comprehension. Of course, God has been manifested before Israel previously in the form of the Shekinah glory. We have far less detail given to us about those manifestations. This much is for certain. Verse 4 says, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself. And a brightness was about it, out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Well, that certainly fits the description of the Shekinah glory. Then the last verse of chapter 1, verse 28 says, As the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. Within the description of the glory of God, beginning in verse 5, Ezekiel gives us the details of four living creatures. We'll see them again in Ezekiel 10, where they appear as cherubim, or angels. These fit the same basic description as we see in Revelation chapter 4, which describes the living creatures round about God's throne. That brings us to chapter 2, how God gets Ezekiel's attention here. Verse 1, And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me, and when he spake unto me, he set me upon my feet, and I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them. And thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they say, Whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee. And thou dost well among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. For they are most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like the rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. And when I looked, behold, an hand was set unto me. And lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without. 
and there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. God called Ezekiel to the prophetic ministry. Ezekiel was already a displaced priest, being a prophet of God. It just wasn't a stretch for him. God told Ezekiel, paraphrased, I'll give you the words, and you give them to the rebellious people of Israel. Keep in mind, Ezekiel's audience is living in Babylon with him. Ezekiel's prophesying to these exiles about their rebellion and their resulting judgment of God. God is using Ezekiel to make certain these exiles know exactly why the demise of Judah happened. God clearly gives Ezekiel directions in verse 8 when he says, Thou son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. Verse 1 is the first time in his prophecy that Ezekiel refers to himself as the son of man. However, for the balance of this book, he does so another 93 times, well, altogether 93. That particular title gave the Jewish leaders in Jesus' day fits. Jesus frequently referred to himself as the Son of Man in his earthly ministry. The term is actually used 84 times in the Gospels. These Jewish leaders wanted to charge and convict Jesus on grounds of blasphemy, but since Ezekiel had consistently referred to himself as the Son of Man, it was impossible for them to charge that Jesus was claiming anything more than being a prophet, just like Ezekiel. In fact, Jesus was very God in the flesh, but the term Son of Man suggested, but stopped short of proclaiming the same. However, now, Daniel used the term Son of Man to specifically refer to the Messiah. That phrase is found in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. You can see the dilemma for those Pharisees in Jesus' day and the Sadducees. They wanted to entrap Jesus for blasphemous words. And so when Jesus used the word son of man to refer to himself, it was quite unsettling to them. We see in the beginning in verse 8 that Ezekiel was to symbolize his complete acceptance of the Lord's message by eating the scroll containing the words of the prophecies he was to minister. This eating of the roll symbol continues down through verse 3 of chapter 3. Now reading chapter 3, verse 1. Moreover he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey, for sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go, get thee into the house of Israel, and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many of the strange speech and of a hard language whose words thou canst not understand. Surely, had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me, for all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. 
Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. As an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart, and hear with thine ears. And go get thee to them of the captivity, and to the children of the people, and speak unto them, and tell them, Thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear. Then the Spirit took me up, and I heard behind me a voice of a great rushing, saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place. And I heard also the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another, and the noise of the wheels over against them, and a noise of a great rushing. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to them of the captivity at Tel Aviv, that dwelt by the river Kibar, and I sat where they sat, and remained there astonished among them seven days. Ezekiel had just experienced an awesome call to the prophetic ministry, topped off by the eating of the scroll containing the prophetic words that he was to utter. What do you even say after you talked with God and seen the glory of God? Ezekiel had his mission from God, but he simply was speechless. He went to the exiles, but he just sat there with them without speaking for seven days. Two unidentified locations are mentioned here in Babylonia, Tel Aviv, and a river named Kabar. That's where Ezekiel joins the Jewish exiles. Incidentally, what's the probability that Ezekiel's prophetic message will be received by these exiles? There's your answer in verse 7. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Whoa, that's got to be a tough call to the ministry. Ezekiel knows in advance that his message will not be heeded by his audience. Oh well, a call is a call. God simply told him to go, and he went. The scroll or roll contained the prophecy that Ezekiel was to speak. Ezekiel's prophecy was not his own, but had come directly from God. It's interesting that it, John, in Revelation chapter 10, is also told to eat a scroll containing the prophecy that was to follow. Now let's see where God speaks to Ezekiel, beginning with verse 16. And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word of my mouth, and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because thou hast given him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, 
He shall surely live because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. And the hand of the Lord was there upon me, and he said unto me, Arise, go forth into the plain, and I will there talk with thee. Then I arose and went forth into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there as the glory which I saw by the river Kibar, and I fell on my face. Then the Spirit entered into me, and he set me upon my feet, and spake with me, and said unto them, Go, shut thyself within thine house. But thou, O son of man, behold, they shall put bands upon thee, and shall bind thee with them, and thou shalt not go out among them. And I will make thy tongue cleave to the roof of thy mouth, that thou shalt be dumb, and thou shalt not be to them as a reprover, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with thee, I will open thy mouth, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, He that heareth, let him hear, and he that forbeareth, let him forbear, for they are a rebellious house. God gives Ezekiel a pretty strong commission here. He basically tells Ezekiel to do a job, a good job, speaking God's word to his people. Doing so fulfills his responsibility whether they heed his word or not. However, if he does not prophesy to them as commanded by God, their blood will be on his hands. Some have taken these verses out of context and applied them as principles of witnessing by Christians. That's a reckless use of scripture. This is a specific commission given to a specific man for a specific people. God commissioned a ministry of prophetic reproof by his prophet Ezekiel to disobedient and exiled Israel and Judah. Likewise, these same abusers of Scripture have done the same thing with Ezekiel's comments about his responsibility to warn the Jews in Ezekiel chapter 18, and they do it again in Ezekiel chapter 33. Consult the, my notes on BibleTrack.org to read the commentary on those passages. Then we see some special instructions for Ezekiel. He is not to engage in idle conversation with the exiles of Israel. He is to remain in his house and silent until God gives him a word to speak to the people. Talk about a lonely job. That's not all. We see in verses 26 and 27 that Ezekiel would experience muteness except when God spoke through him. That means he couldn't go back and elaborate on his prophecies. This muteness would last seven years, all the way down to the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. Now, chapter 4 is an amusing chapter where we find Ezekiel acting out the siege of Jerusalem, beginning with verse 1. Thou also, son of man, take thee a tile and lay it before thee, and portray upon it the city, even Jerusalem. And lay siege against it, and build a fort against it, and cast a mount against it, set the camp also against it, and set battering rams against it round about. Moreover, take thou unto thee an iron pan, and set it for a wall of iron between thee and the city, and set thy face against it, and it shall be besieged, and thou shalt lay siege against it. This shall be a sign to the house of Israel." Lie thou also upon thy left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it, according to the number of the days that thou shalt lie upon it, thou shalt bear their iniquity. For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, three hundred and ninety days. So shalt thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. 
And when thou hast accompanied them, lie again on thy right side, and thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have appointed thee each day for a year. Therefore thou shalt set thy face toward the siege of Jerusalem, and thine arms shall be uncovered, and thou shalt prophesy against it. And behold, I will lay bands upon thee, and thou shalt not turn thee from one side to another, till thou hast ended the days of thy siege. Take thou also unto thee wheat, and barley, and beans, and lentils, and millet, and fitches, and put them in one vessel, and make thee bread thereof, according to the number of the days that thou shalt lie upon thy side, three hundred and ninety days shalt thou eat thereof. And thy meat which thou shalt eat shall be by weight twenty shekels a day, from time to time thou shalt eat it. Thou shalt drink also water by measure, the sixth part of an hen, from time to time thou shalt drink. And thou shalt eat it as barley cakes, and thou shalt bake it with the dung that cometh out of man in their sight. And the Lord said, Even thus shall the children of Israel eat their defiled bread among the Gentiles, whither I will drive them. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, my soul hath not been polluted. For from my youth up even until now have I not eaten that which dieth of itself, or is torn in pieces, neither came their abominable flesh into my mouth. Then he said unto me, Lo, I have given thee cow's dung for man's dung, and thou shalt prepare thy bread therewith. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, behold, I will break the staff of bread in Jerusalem, and they shall eat bread by weight and with care, and they shall drink water by measure and with astonishment, that they may want bread and water and be astonished one with another and consume away for their iniquity. Ezekiel was uh, to act out the Babylonian siege against Jerusalem, presumably in his front yard, with a small constructed model of Jerusalem. The whole process was, of course, to attract attention for 430 days. Whoa, profiting Ezekiel style is very hard work, and by many standards, a little bit weird also. Keep in mind, Jerusalem at this time had not yet been destroyed. But Ezekiel and others have already been captured and exiled to Babylon. Ezekiel is prophesying that the city will fall. The 430 days, that's 390 days plus another 40 days, are kind of puzzling. Various theories have been taught regarding this time period presentation. Each day represents a year, that much is clear. So are these future years or past years. Ezekiel 12.40 fixes the Egyptian bondage at 430 years. Was he bringing up this past? Perhaps he was talking about the total number of years that Israel and Judah were in idolatry. Or maybe it had something to do with the timing of events that would be yet future to Israel and Judah. If that's the case, then it would take it down to the Maccabean Revolt era against the Syrians in the 2nd century B.C. Well, whatever the years mean, the object lesson is clear. Jerusalem will experience famine and the onslaught of a tremendous army, the Babylonian army, before their fall. This prophecy would have been about seven years before the actual fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. This must have been quite a sight for the people passing by, sort of like a guy sitting on a flagpole. Even his position of lying on his left side while prophesying against the sins of Israel 
and on his right side when he's prophesying against the sins of Judah, was very specifically designated by God. As a priest, Ezekiel felt he had to draw a line with all this imagery in verses 12 to 15. He says, uh, cook my food over the fire made with what? Ah, that was just more impression than Ezekiel wanted to make. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and read verses 12 to 15 again. God allowed Ezekiel to make a substitute. Still, you can imagine the odor coming from a fire fueled by manure. Well, there's no question about this. It was God's purpose for Ezekiel to be noticed and to be heeded by these Jewish exiles. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.